Chapter sixty four of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter sixty four. A hundred deaths. For a full hour was the pitiless pastime continued, during which at least fifty shots had been fired at my person the truculent chieftain had threatened me with a hundred deaths he was fulfilling his threat to the letter for notwithstanding the unskilful practice i felt on the eve of each discharge a certain creeping of the flesh and curdling of the blood as if that moment was to be my last if i had not yet died a hundred times for at least so many had i felt all the sensations that should precede actual death in truth over a hundred times for although but fifty shots had been fired twice as often had the old guns snapped or flashed in the pan and each of these was preceded by its special pang i had not escaped altogether unscathed i had been hit in two or three places in my arms and limbs blood was running down my legs and creeping over my feet i could feel it warm and wet as it trickled between my toes in a little hollow of the rock directly in front of me a crimson pool was collecting the wounds could not be severe since i scarcely felt them perhaps only the crease of a bullet a scratch would be sufficient to cause the effusion of the blood copious though it appeared to be and i felt certain that no bone had yet been broken that no vital part of my body had been touched after about an hour had been spent by the savages in their fiendish sport the firing became suddenly suspended i could not tell why and sought for an explanation by watching the movements of the marksmen had they exhausted their ammunition this was the idea that came uppermost the chiefs had turned face to face and were again engaged in some earnest deliberation the subject of their talk was made known by their gesticulations they were pointing towards sure shot who still lay as i have described flat upon his face wingrove was no longer there nor yet suwanee where could they have gone i had seen both but the moment before had she unbound and rescued him was it about them that the savages were in consultation no the result proved not it was the deserter who was the object of their attention as was soon made manifest by their movements half a dozen warriors were seen separating from the group and running up to the spot where sure shot lay stooping around him they undid his fastenings and then having raised him to his feet commenced dragging him towards the crowd of marksmen the terrified man made no resistance it would have been idle there was a brawny savage on each side grasping him by the wrist and three or four behind pushing him forward at a run his long hair streaming loosely strengthened the expression of despair that was depicted upon his countenance no doubt he deemed it his last hour 
whether could they be dragging him whither but to death this was my own belief at first but in a few minutes i had reason to change it for a short while sure shot was encircled by the dusky forms and i saw him not or only the crown of his head conspicuous by its yellow hue among the darker chevelures of the indians what were they doing to him i could not guess but they appeared to be offering him no further violence after a time the group scattered from around him and the ex-rifleman was again uncovered to my view with some surprise i perceived that the expression of his countenance had undergone a total change it was no longer that of terror much less of despair on the contrary there was a certain air of confidence visible in his look and manner as if something had been said or done to him that had given him satisfaction i was further surprised at perceiving that he had a gun in his hands his own rifle and that he was in the act of loading the piece my surprise changed to indignation as i saw him step forward to the line and stand facing me evidently with the intention to fire cowardly traitor he has accepted life upon some base condition jeff bigelow sure shot whom i thought true as steel i would not have believed it such was the reflection to which my gag prevented me from giving utterance in reality i felt astonished at the behaviour of the old ranger i believed him a better man but the dread of death is a powerful test to apply to the human soul and hard must be the conditions of life when under such circumstances they are refused sure shot had succumbed to the temptation such was my belief as i saw him raise his piece and stand confronting me in an attitude that too plainly bespoke his intention another surprise awaited me another stimulus to my indignation instead of looking ashamed of his work and cowering under my glance he appeared eager and determined to execute the dastardly design there was even an expression of fierceness ill becoming his countenance habitually meek under other circumstances it would have been ludicrous enough bravado thought i assumed no doubt to give satisfaction to his new allies i had not recovered from the confusion of my surprise when his voice fell upon my ear uttered in a tone of anger and accompanied with corresponding gestures but the words that reached me explained all on hearing them i no longer suspected the loyalty of my old comrade the angry expression was assumed but the counterfeit had a design far different from that which i had attributed to it it was sure shot himself still tricky as true captain cried he speaking quickly and raising his gun with a gesture of menace pay attention to what i'm bout to say look savagerous at me make these yer verming 
leave you and me's quelling almost tell me ef they've crippled ye bout the legs i know you can't speak but shet your eyes and that says no i was for the moment puzzled by the matter as well as matter of his speech which in no way corresponded in an instant however i perceived that he had some design and i hastened to obey his hurried instructions as to the first i needed to make no alteration in my demeanour under the belief that he was disloyal i had been regarding him with a glance sufficiently scowling i preserved the expression at the same time closing my eyes as a negative answer to his query although i believed myself to be hit somewhere about the legs i felt confident that i was not crippled so fair good continued he still speaking loudly and angrily now slew your right elbow down a leetle and give me a better chance at that there strip o' hide i kinder guess as hill i kin cut the thing it pears to be all a one piece and'll peel off your body like a rope o' rushes ef i cut it there'll be a chance for ye there's only one o' the varming ahint the mound your horse air there make for the animal mount em and put off like a streak o' greased lightnin now as he finished speaking he stepped nearer to the line and placed himself in an attitude to fire i now fully comprehended his design i saw as he said that the cord which bound me to the crucifix was all of one piece a thin thong of rawhide lapped not very tightly around my arms legs and body if cut through at any point it could easily be detached and true enough my horse must be behind the butte for i could not see him in front by a quick rush i might succeed in reaching him before the indians could intercept me if so then indeed might there be a chance of escaping end of chapter sixty four recording by john brandon